Meg, what is this? It's the worst thing that's happened to Sting in a long time. This is the new Sting song that's out just days before we're recording this. And I think this um, might be his lowest career point. It's a duet with Shaggy. Shaggy. Wasn't me. Because if you want to make yourself relevant (laughs) to the new millennium, you do a duet with the boombastic guy. (laughs) Right, exactly. Forget Tom York. Forget, you know, the movies. Tom York? How old are you? Oh, I'm so old. You were just trying to be relevant with Tom York? I don't know. DJ Mousehead. I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. You're telling me you need more time. No crime. He just has fallen so far, hasn't he? And what makes me sad is um, we're watching the video while we're listening to the song, and he has dyed his hair back to his original police platinum platinum blonde, and mm. it just makes the kick in the in the ribs even worse. It's just try hard. It's so try hard. You would think that if any gentleman could age gracefully, it would be Sting. What with all that plastic surgery? Mm. But no. No. Bless him. Mm. Bless him. He used to be so great. He was so good. He needs to be stopped. He does. And we have to stop him. It is our job. Outlandos de Podcast. Out- At- Outlandos de Podcast. Outlandos de Podcast. That's really what we're calling this? Uh, wh- <laughs> you said you didn't like the name and then didn't give me any suggestions. This is Outlandos de Podcast. Uh, you know, it's the best we could come up with on short notice. It's what it is. It is what it is. It's an album by album rewatch of Sting's musical career. But we're not doing any of the Broadway stuff. There's because... Broadway stuff? Oh, friend. Dear God. Oh, friend. It's a whole thing. Uh, I'm Adam Ragusia. I think that Sting is a great songwriter, but more than that, he's also a terrible songwriter. (laughs) I'm Meg Donahue, and I believe Sting is more than a hot body and a handsome face. He's also a terrible, terrible actor. We will be going album by album through Mr. Sting's career. However, today is the Juvenalia Day. Yes. Going to talk about his origin myth, his origin story. Yep, yep. Um, He He was was... bitten by a radioactive spider. He was. He emerged fully formed from his father's head in Newcastle, <laughs> like a Greek god. Um, I think that you are picturing the scene from, uh, what's that film called? I don't know. No, the science fiction film that he was in with the the, the worms. Dune. Dune. I thought you said dude. 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 Dune. Dune is yeah. so good. Lynch, man. Yeah. So good. Cut to film clip here of Sting coming out in his little like. Oh, metal bikini. Metal bikini. Ooh. Ooh. Fade. Lovely fade. So that's what it was like. In uh, when Newcastle in uh, 1970. When was he born? Uh, let's see. 1951. Wikipedia. 1970. Okay. 1970. 19... <laughs> he was born in 1970. <laughs> God, he looks awful. That is some shitty plastic surgery, man. It's not the years, it's the mileage. <laughs> 1951 in Walsend, Northumberland, England. Walsend, what? 
<laughs> Hollow walls and I believe this is the urban con- conurbation, whatever that word is, <laughs> known as Tyneside. Yes, mm. yes. The northeast of England. Yeah. What historically was known as Northumbria. Northumbria. Mm. He's the king of Northumbria. He's <laughs> 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 he wouldn't stoop to such a low position. <laughs> He's friends with Prince Charles. He's going to need a nicer title than that. Mm. Uh, if we go and we watch uh, Sting's recent redoubtable TED Talk oh, God. from 2014, mm. he talks a little bit about his uh, the neighborhood that he grew up in, Tyneside. 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 Born and raised in the shadow of a shipyard. In a little town on the northeast coast of England. God, he fetishizes Some of himself my so much. Memories mm. Are of giant ships blocking the end of my street, as well as the sun for a lot of the year. Every morning, as a child, I've watched thousands of men walk down that hill to work in the shipyard. I've watched those same men walking back home every night. It has to be said, the shipyard was not the most pleasant place to live next door to, or indeed work in. The shipyard was noisy, dangerous, highly toxic, with an appalling health and safety record. He's authentic. I think the thing about Sting is he, I don't know if this is maybe something all artists do and something all actors do, is that they find authenticity and they glom onto it because it seems as if they don't – they're such chameleons. They don't seem to have that kind of authenticity themselves. Mm. It's sort of like, you know, the hipsters wearing the um, uh, the old shirts from gas stations yes. and stuff. It, it, and I think that's kind of how Sting is. I think he Newcastle finds... is his trucker hat? Yes. Newcastle is his trucker hat. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a point just a little bit beyond this where, like, he sings a song where he, he inhabits the character <laughs> of a man from the shipyard. Oh. oh. We got to watch this. My name is Jackie White, and I'm foreman of the yard, <laughs> and you don't mess with Jackie on this quayside. I'm as hard as iron plate. We'll be tied you if you're late, when we have to push a boat out on the spring tide. Now, you could die and hope for heaven, but you need to work your shift. It's so and patronizing. I'll back us to the hilt, for if St. Peter at his gate were to ask you why you're late, why you tell him that you had to get a ship built. We build battleships and cruisers for Her Majesty the Queen. Oi! Super and he says a chick across the stage. in between. <laughs> we built the greatest ship in tonnage what the world has ever seen. I think this would be perfect. It becomes song. The shipyard. <laughs> the shipyard. <laughs> and the soul would conjure up a ship where there used to be a hole. I can't. I can't I, anymore with this guy. You know, it'd be perfect. It was set in like 1860. I don't mm. think that anybody in the time that he's writing this would actually talk about any of that. I think he'd probably be like, I'm Jackie White and uh, my mortgage is three payments behind. And, you know, I have got a crappy job at a shipyard really? and uh, I'm going to get asbestos in my lungs. I don't think they'd be ta- I think it's fetishizing. I think it's it's... It seems so wrong to me, like, I mean, like, factually wrong, that I almost want, it, it seems, like, I'm wondering if Sting is in the witness protection program, <laughs> and, like, Gordon Sumner is the, like, is the personality of the, the you know, the dead man that they gave him, <laughs> right? <laughs> 
<laughs> He's actually from Essex or some shit. Right, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So here's the personality you're going to get. You're Gordon Sumner. Because he really gonna... seems like he's bluffing his way through this. He really does. He really does. It just, it doesn't feel authentic. It feels, it feels like... I don't. It feels patronizing. It feels like he's not really connected <clears throat> to the story. <clears throat> I, it does feel like, you know, somebody who's not from there is trying to tell that story and falling flat. Well, if we were to believe your story, Gordon, right? Exactly, Gord. Gord. Little Gord. Um, he says that his father did work in the shipyard for a time, but a then time. became a milkman. And what's crazy is that he always, like, you'll see this later on in stories um, and in albums that he, he talks about. His father was a milkman, mm. but he- worked, I just said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I was jumping ahead. His dad was a milkman. He didn't work in a shipyard. Oh, so his dad was a milkman? His dad was a milkman. Oh. Did you know the dad? That's what we should say. Milkman's son. That's what we should name this podcast. Forget Outlandish <laughs> to podcast. It's a milkman. Um, subtitle for this subtitle, episode. Subtitle. The milkman. The son. milkman. Sorry, I was thinking about how how Sting just weaves these fabrications about himself. Do you think his dad was as good looking as he is? His brother is. If you ever see a picture of his brother, no? his brother looks like Sting without the plastic surgery. So I I don't know if like the there's a the British cultural trope about milkmen is the same as it is in America oh, where the milkman right. is knocking up your wife while you're at work. Yeah. But one would assume. One would assume. And Gordon says that Sting says that he used to go on the milk rounds with his father. Hello, ladies. <laughs> I mean, that's Sorry. a little freaky. <laughs> oh, you know, that's where, I don't know. I could say, you know, that's where he picked up his tantric stuff. But you never know. But. So to get back to my point, Sting's father was a milkman. Whoa. I I hadn't heard that. (laughs) So he tells people, like, later on in his album, The Soul Cages, um, he talks, there's this whole motif about his father being, you know, uh, the shipwright, and he built ships, and he's a captain, and bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. And I'm like, dude, your dad was a milkman. (laughs) (laughs) Quit lying. Why you got a front, Sting? Why you got a front? Mm. Again, it's his need for authenticity. It's his need for- I think it's his need to stay away from the people who are trying to kill him. True. You know what? Uh, He may owe money to the Essex mob. Tony from the Essex mob. Tony. 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 (laughs) Tony's from Brooklyn, but he lives in Newcastle now. So Gordon goes to high school. Yeah. He goes to a boys' school. He does. He goes to a um uh, a private school. And he Which means the opposite thing in, in the UK as it means here. Right. So they call those public schools. Um the private schools they call them public schools. Right. Because that makes sense. Because that makes sense. Yes. Black is white and the world's crazy. And... Elevators are lifts. <laughs> <laughs> English muffins are just muffins. I think they're um, crumpets. Oh, I love a crumpet. Have you ever had um, clotted cream? No. Oh. I mean, I've had cream go clotted in my refrigerator. (laughs) There's this amazing stuff called clotted cream, and it's just like this thick, just amazing, just. Mm. Mm. Have you ever seen the the butter ad that John Lydon from the Sex Pistols did? No. Where he's putting (laughs) butter on a crumpet? I have to show this to you. Yes, please. I'd like to see that ad pitch 
Right, we're going to get Johnny Rotten to talk about Kerry Gold. It's going to be amazing. He's going to tell us all to piss off. There's one where he's getting a crumpet buttered f- by the farmer's wife. And that is not a euphemism. I th- or is it? Pass <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. you a crumpet, miss. Do I buy country life butter to support our hard-working British dairy farmers? No, it's their career choice. I buy country life because I love the taste of me crumpets. Thank you, farmer's wife. Mm. It's not about great Britain, it's about great butter. (laughs) You can always rely on a punk for just ridiculous juvenile sex humor. I don't know. Sex humor. I don't think that, call me crazy, I don't think that Johnny Rotten wrote that joke. All right. I think that ad copy was written by some fellow in some, in, like like where the British office was set, like one of those Slough. like yeah, one of those like terrible towns on the far outskirts of the London metro area. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The home yeah. counties, I think they call them. <laughs> and I just, I was sort of watching that, thinking that like Sting really is getting into this kind of territory in this stage of his career. Oh yeah, I think he's actually. Even beyond it, mm. I think that would be um, a step up. Talking about butter, <laughs> I think it would be. I think it would be. So, getting back to staying at the high school, his dad was a milkman. <laughs> <laughs> Just, did you know? I didn't. Did you know? Okay. Wow. I know, right? I don't know. Did you come across in your research? In your research? In my research? In your research? Did you come up on anything about how he started playing the bass? How he started yeah. slapping the bass. Slapping the bass. He actually got a job. Um, a wor- jorp. A jorp. He got himself a jorp. Um, from his father. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, one of those like booze cruises. You know how they go around and people just take like a day cruise. And he works. Upon the Tyne. Upon the Tyne. Um, and he, that was I think one of his first jobs as a musician. Um <laughs> I know this because he said it on Regis and Kathy Lee a bunch of years ago. Um, he played Were you the, homesick? I was, no. I, it was appointment viewing for me at that time. I'm like, oh, Sting's going to be on Regis. I got to watch it. I'm 14 and I love him. It's weird. Everybody else likes, you know, Eddie Vedder. And I'm like, no, Sting, please. Um, yeah, one of his first jobs was working on a booze cruise playing the bass. Yeah. Yeah. And he was very proud of himself. And he actually talked about, and I'm not sure if this is, you know, true or, or again, one of the um, stories he likes to weave about himself, um, that I think he got a, uh, a guitar, he got gifted it. He talks about it in this TED Talk. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He talks about getting his guitar by, it was gifted to him by some coworker of his father's who right, was emigrating. Yeah. And <laughs> Go to America. Yeah, I've got to live in he, a better <laughs> life. Take this. Take this magic guitar. And it's a little <laughs> Spanish guitar. Yeah. And this apparently was the beginning of Sting's love affair with tiny guitars. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Has he ever played the ukulele? I bet he'd be amazing at it. He plays, just whenever he plays an acoustic guitar, it's always a teeny tiny guitar. It is. And he plays it without a strap. No. Yeah. So we can just walk around and talk to ladies mm. and be like, hello. <laughs> I didn't know that a strap would keep you from walking around and talking to ladies. Well, you can actually show off um, your arm strength if you don't have the strap. Yeah, exactly. He cradles to, it. He cradles it with his muscles. Mm. So it can get that good flex going. Uh, and be like, Argh! Yeah. 
Get in there, ladies. Get in there. <laughs> and the thing about like those little, you know, sort of nylon string guitars is that like they do they're they have a sound that is similar to a bass, or you can play them in a way that is sort of similar to a bass. They've got this kind of dull, soft sound in the lower strings. So I imagine that's maybe how he started to kind of want to play bass lines. Yeah. But he also apparently played the bass because he was into jazz. Because he's a serious boy. He's a serious boy. And you see this thread throughout his career. Mm. His dad ships jazz. Jazz. Boom. Ships and jazz. Ships and jazz and dads. Uh-uh. I'm authentic. I'm real. I'm real. I'm from Ta- Newcastle. Ships and jazz. Ships, jazz, dads. Here is a film on YouTube of him in 1972. So I guess he would be 21. He would be in teacher's college at this point. Yeah. Um, playing with the Newcastle big band. Woot. Baby to bow. Scout, scout, scout. There he is walking that base. Yeah, he is. Can you see him in the picture? I don't even recognize him. Find the sting. Is he the one in the back? Yes, Scruffy. <laughs> yeah. So you can see that he, I mean, he was a good looking fellow, but he was not the Greek god sting at this stage. No. He had a little bit of that kind of teenage stoner vibe he going did. on. He did. All right, I can't take this anymore. Jazz. Jazz. I love some jazz. Yes. You can't be taken seriously in music unless you have a jazz. It all goes back to jazz. Jazz. (laughs) The thing about Sting is that he always talks about how he knew from a very young age that he wanted to be big and famous. He tells a story about how when he was like nine years old, the Queen Mother drove down his street. Yeah. Tyneside. 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 <laughs> gonna go launch a ship. She really to was launch going. a ship. Yep. And he was just like, I want to be in that car. Yeah. I want to. I want to live that life. And not only that, he said he deserves it as much as she does. As if it's something that um, is gifted only to the hardworking and good. No, no, he's talking about divine right of kings. There. He really is. Yeah. 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 Charles II um, and Sting got a lot going on together. <laughs> he. Uh, knew he wanted to become the sting that he is today from right. a very early age. He's very talented from a very early age. This is the thing to me that's really mysterious about Sting's early life. Why did it take him so long to get to London? That's a really good question. Like, he doesn't go to London until he's like 26. Right. And he's married and has a small child. Yeah. What the hell took him so long? That's a good point. I don't know. Like he seems like the kind of guy that he would he wouldn't even he would pack up at like fourteen. Yeah, he and, wouldn't even and... finish his O levels or <laughs> I don't know what that means. He wouldn't even be out of short pants and he'd be like down in London. Do you know how their like their like secondary schooling system grading? I think you thing take works? O levels and then you take A levels. But I think after Oh, that makes know. a lot of sense. You yeah. go straight from O to A. It's o logical. A, why not? Yeah. Yeah, he just seems like he, you know, yeah, he would just like, uh, you know, with the with the shirt on his back, he'd, uh, yeah, yeah, he would just sort of strike out for the yeah. new world. But it, it, he didn't, and he went to like teachers' college. Yeah, um, I wonder if he had a momentary and very rare self doubt, or maybe he just wanted to skis on high school girls the rest Whoa. of his life. Oh, young teacher, the subject. 
of school girl fantasy. Maybe Ayo. he was going to be one of those guys. He could, I mean, you know, he was an attractive man. Mm. So very attractive to the ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Time to talk about our first sponsor for today, The Wall in Wall's End, Northeast England's most affordable Game of Thrones cosplay location. The Wall in Wall's End is located on Shiremore Court, adjacent to Hadrian's Senior Leisure Center. The Wall in Wall's End. We didn't know these dogs needed shots. So I took my niece, uh, my niece lives over in, uh, in London, took her over to, uh, to the wall. And <laughs> to, the a, wall. to the wall. I took, took her to over the to the wall. wall. That's what everybody just calls it, to the wall. That's what they say. Uh, that's, that's how they, they put it. That's how they put it. They in northeast the of England, they call northeast, it the wall. Northeast. And it was great. Um, but I gotta be, you know, there were some wild dogs just walking around. Some dogs. Some dogs. We got some wild dogs walking around. And I thought that the wall would be bigger. 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 But it's actually just um, just a couple of rubbles, mm. just some rubbles, and and they talk about you know um, historical accuracy in the wall, yeah. and there was one guy in a cloak who just started yelling, you know, but it was very affordable, right? You know, it was very affordable, very affordable. I think the whole thing cost me twenty quid. <laughs> how, how how does a two foot high rock wall keep out an army of angry Celts? I don't understand this Hadrian's Wall business. Maybe there was something wrong with like their hip joints, <laughs> so they couldn't like swing their leg over. <laughs> they were like Labrador retrievers. They, right. have, they all have hip dysplasia. Right, they all have hip dysplasia. <laughs> they have frozen hips, and they're like, Dag. The, most, they're the most vicious, the most vicious pagan army you've ever seen. But once you get them on their back, <laughs> you can't. They don't can't get back up. <laughs> they just roll. That's how they get you. They roll. So while he's in Newscastle, young Sting, young scruffy Sting, Gordon, Gordon, Gordon at this point. Um, was he Gordon at this point? Yeah, he got the name Sting from. Um, he was playing in a jazz club, and he would always wear this sweater, the yellow and black sweater. And um, I don't. I think it was in London. So did he look like Charlie Brown? I think he did. <laughs> I think he did. And um, and he just picked up the name Sting from that, and he just really embraced it and ran with it. Um, perhaps something went wrong with his first fake identity, right? <laughs> I'm just imagining the, uh, it. the Essex mob made the connection. <laughs> See that man in the cape yeah. and the mask. Yeah, MI6 came came to his office came to his office and right said, "Right, your name is Sting now." <laughs> <laughs> right. So he joins this band called Last Exit. Yes. This uh, Newcastle institution, mm-hmm. and he's playing the bass and he is singing. And like all of the, the last exit demo recordings are on YouTube. So let's listen to one that will sound very familiar. <laughs> Time now for a public broadcasting conversation program. <laughs> Bye. 
It's uh, it's bring on the night. It is, and this is my theory that um, so this was 1972, something like that. 1972, 1974. I, I think he's only there was one fertile creative time in his life, and, and he's, that was he's a new still castle. mining it to this and day. He's mining it to this day. Yeah, if you go through this, like there's tons and tons of police songs, and even like. St- solo sting songs yeah that are here in very early versions um like here okay here's oh my god which is from the what the la- the synchronicity album mm-hmm. so jazzy mm-hmm. it's good music to chill to really is really is Every, what i know is lonely and got so far away my heart belongs to no one So now sometimes I pray Thank God for Stuart Copeland <laughs> Take the space between us And fill it up some way So the weird thing about Sting's evolution is yes. It's only a surface evolution it seems like At least to me Well, I guess now what I'm wondering is The real Gordon Sumner that MI6 killed <laughs> <laughs> and and whose identity they gave to Sting? Right. Like, did did Gordon have a box of lyrics? <laughs> and Sting is still working out of that box to this day. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's a box he keeps, you know, in his house, his childhood home under the stairs, and yeah, it's he hides it. It's a whole thing. I think it's under a floorboard. I think it is. Yeah. I think you know maybe once a year he goes back to see. Oh God, please let there be something I can mine. <laughs> That's right. And and there isn't anything left yeah. now. So he's at this <laughs> point he's just like he's like going. He's like trying to set the the marginalia to music. <laughs> right. You know yeah. the the grocery lists. Right. <laughs> right. Poor Gordon right. Sumner's grocery list. Right. A for apple, B for banana. I wrote this when I was six. It's still good. It's still good. So for some reason, when he's 25, 26, Sting decides it's time for him to shake the dust of this dusty old town off his Boots? Boots. 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 Work boots. Work boots. From the, his hard uh, scrabble work boots. Absolutely. His, his shipyard <laughs> From boots. From the shipyard. Yeah. Um, and he says, uh, peace out. I'm going to London to, uh, you know, throw all of my responsibilities aside and just try to make it as a rock band. Yep. Because that's a really cool thing to do when you have a wife and a small child. Yeah, that's... What it, the fuck? Why? I mean, that is... That's some. I'm trying to find a nicer way to say it. That's some balls, friends. It's not a nice thing to do. It's not a nice thing to do. And it's and, like shut up and go to the sh- shipyard. You I know. know. <laughs> like <laughs> just let your dreams die, Gordon. We've got a kid now. Jesus Christ. Here he is on a a, a BBC television program in 2007, talking to a gentleman named Parkinson. Parky. They call him Parky. Do they? They do. Well, I mean, one, one of the irons I had in my fire was I met this American drummer called Stuart Copeland, uh, who'd seen me up in Newcastle with a band I was in, and said, look, if, if you ever come down, here's my number, give me a call. That was the only number I had, actually. So, so responsible. And, so uh, responsible. Said, I'm in town. He said, where are you? I said, I'm actually in your street. <laughs> Which would creep me out. He's squat in Green Street in Mayfair on the top floor. <laughs> He's squatting. He's great, squ- great environment to bring a child Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Bring the kids. Bring, bring the, the wife. Bring the kids to the squat. Bring the, bring- <clears throat> 
I don't know how rock stars find these women who are, I don't know if they're just really creative and really supportive, but I don't know of many women who have a child who'd be like, absolutely, honey, mm-hmm. you need to go squat 300 miles away. Indeed. Well, she supported his dreams. She did. And he rewarded her by staying with her the rest of his life. Oh, ouch. <laughs> it's good investment for oh, her. Oh, poor woman. So, <clears throat> yeah, Sting encounters Stuart Copeland. And Stuart Copeland is a pretty interesting guy unto himself. He is. He's actually a really fascinating guy. Mm. He uh, he has real cred. Yes. His dad was... Diplomat. A, a diplomat. American diplomat American, in the Middle East. And also one of the um, founding members, I think, of the OSS, which is the C- CIA. What's the OSS? It was the... Um, I'm sorry. Uh, the OSS was uh, the Office of Strategic Services during uh, World War II, and it was the precursor to the CIA. I see. So his dad was a spy and was a big-time jazz person as oh, well. jazz. Jazz. Um, and he grew up – Stuart grew up um, all over the world. Um, yeah. And his – they both – he and his brother – I think he's got another brother too. He has two brothers. Two bro- Well, yeah, he's got Miles. It's Miles and then another one. Mm. The other one, Benny. this one, Benny, Ben. Um, he grew up all over the world. Um, he learned how to play music, and he just sort of fell in love with the drums. And it, the more you get into the Sting story, you realize that Stuart Copeland is really the um, fairy godmother of this. He's like, the instigator. He's the instigator. <clears throat> and he was an established fellow. Yeah. He had like a song on the charts under his pseudonym Clark Kent. Yeah. Um, he was this known quantity, and he was really giving Sting Sting's big break. Right. And if once you understand that, like you really understand the source of the resentment, the incredible resentment between them. I know. Because I know. this was Stewart's band, and he brought Sting into it, and Sting snatched it away. He snatched it away. And if you listen to the last exit stuff, and then you listen to um, what became of the last exit stuff because of Stewart, it's so much better. And you just sort of realize that, you know, Stuart is the tastemaker of the band. He does, for all the accolades that Sting gets, he he couldn't achieve the heights that he is now hmm. um, without Stuart. I'm sure Stuart would love to take credit for the heights that Sting is inhabiting now. <laughs> I mean, the Shaggy song. The Shaggy song, right? The upcoming Butter <clears throat> commercial. <laughs> <laughs> With featuring Shaggy. <laughs> featuring Shaggy. We both love butter. I don't know. It's doesn't even sound like that. Neither Shaggy. I don't know. I'm just going to use that accent. Hello. Hello, Gaffner. Butter. Yum. So Sting and Stuart need a, gu- a guitar player. Uh, a guitar. A guitar player. Right. A guitar play, player. A guitar player. Hey, you know a guitar player. You know one. <laughs> because Sting can't, like, he can't play his big stand-up bass. Right. And also his tiny guitar at the same time. Right. <laughs> he probably tried. I mean, he probably tried. Yeah. He probably was like, all eyes on me. All eyes on me. Indeed. He's like that one-man band that, that you know, has the harmonica and the, and the drum, and he kicks a foot, cymbals. And they end up hooking up, not... With Andy Summers, mm-hmm. but with this fellow named Henri Padovani. Henri. 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 I think this is, is this one when they were curved air? Something like that. Yeah. Something pretentious like something, that. Something, something. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, Last Exit, um, his uh, band up in Newcastle was named after a book that I was reading the synopsis of. And again, it's just this this sort of like basketball diaries book from the 1950s. And again, it's just it's a swipe at authenticity. Authenticity was very big in music at the time. <laughs> people were not – people were following – people were not enamored with the like jazz-inspired prog rock. Right. Um, that was becoming extremely uncool. Yeah. So Stuart and Sting made the very craven decision to become a punk band. Yeah. And they knew it. Like they totally knew what they were doing. Um, but none of them – neither of them knew anything about punk or had the slightest bit of punk cred. So they hooked up with this fellow Henri, Henri. who um, had tons of punk cred, mm-hmm. most uh, uh, exemplified by the fact that he could not play his guitar. <laughs> that is so punk. It is so punk. So it's punk. like so punk, right? So they record this single, the very first police single called Fallout, 1977. And if Stuart Copeland is to be believed, this is Stuart Copeland playing guitar as well as drums because Henri couldn't play the riff. <laughs> Oh, lovely. So punk. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Oh, man, I love this song. Song is by Stuart, not Sting. Yeah. Though, if you were to believe Sting, Sting would say in subsequent interviews, yeah, Stuart brought in this song and uh, it needed some help. And so, you know, I worked with it. I I fixed it. (laughs) You're welcome, Stuart. It is funny. Listen to how active Sting's bass is in this. Oh, yeah. Like, that's a lot of notes for a punk band, sir. And then the yes. that he um he comes back to a couple of times. Oh, the wolf howl. Yeah, the sting wolf howl. Yeah, yeah. The like uh, the <laughs> stuff that he does. Yes, yep, yep. it's signature. It is signature. It's his mating call. <laughs> One wonders. The whole punk band thing, like I'm going to go from jazz fusion right. to punk rock. Mm-hmm. Like, is this? Did he get another visit from MI6? <laughs> said, "Listen, Sting, listen to me. The Essex Mob is on to you. <laughs> Pro- it up. Prog rock Sting is dead. <laughs> okay, it up. It up. all right. He's at the bottom of the time. Okay, you got You got to come up with something else. Uh, but quick, <laughs> got to come up with something else. But quick." MI6. Oh, time to thank our second sponsor for today's show, Hardscrabble Backstories Incorporated. Does your life story lack greediness, relatability, or any semblance of struggle? That's okay. You don't have to live the pain. You can buy the pain from somebody else. With Hardscrabble Backstories Incorporated. It's a really great service. Yeah? Say that you were born with a silver spoon. Right. 
Or say that you were born, you know, middle class, but in a totally anonymous suburb with like a mommy and daddy who were totally fine and didn't hit you or um, have their own uh, hard scrabble backstories, mm. right? You, you can't be taken seriously as an artist with that kind of background. That's true. You just can't. No. All right. No one is going to find you authentic. No. Right. So what are you going to do? You got to get a new backstory. How would I go about that? Well, the folks at Hard Scrabble Backstories Incorporated have a catalog. And Ooh. you open it up. I've got it right here. Got it right here. Wow, it's a pretty thick catalog. <clears throat> oh, so many backstories. Now, wow. um, I will say that about half of these are nautical in nature. Is there something about the sea that lends itself to to disappointment and backstory? Yes. Really? Yes. Hmm. So these are all actually real people um, who have real messed up lives, uh-huh. right? Um, and all you got to do is pick one that really seems to speak to the kind of deep pain that you want to identify with or be identified with, I should say. And you just let the folks at Hard Scrabble Backstories Incorporated know, okay, this one, this this Geordie, mm-hmm. Geordie from yep. the northeast of England. Yeah. Okay. I like his backstory with the milkman in the shipyards, right? Right. All you got to do is you say, I like that one. And the folks at Hard Scrabble Backstories will go out and kill that person. Now, now looking at the the catalog, it says that Hard Scrabble Backstories Incorporated is a subsidiary of MI6. It is. Wow. They have business arms because uh, you know, they got to raise some of their own funding at this point. Nice, okay? yeah, the, yeah. You know, the 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 British social welfare state isn't what it used to be. Right. The tax money is not pouring in. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, they they just they have to make some money, and this is a great way to do it, and it's good for you because you get the backstory. So they go, they'll go and kill that Jordy, put his body at the bottom of the Tyne. And then you can simply adopt their backstory and proceed upon your career as you would like to. Now, I can't prove that Sting was a customer of Hard Scrabble Backstories Incorporated. But then again, if I could, it wouldn't be a very good service, exactly. would it? Exactly. I mean, it seems just believable. It, I mean, who else have they worked with? Do you know? I, I don't, because that's how good they are at their oh, jobs. Oh, that's... <coughs> Eminem. <coughs> really? No. How would we know? Hard Scrabble Backstories Incorporated. Your secret is safe with us. Well, Meg, I've enjoyed. The, well, I've Meg, enjoyed I, it too. I enjoyed. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed it, y'all. Do you, do you, are you familiar with that term, Jordy? I um, I'm kind of an Anglophile, so yes, I am. Am I saying it right? <laughs> yeah, Jordy. 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 Yes, a person from the northeast of England, and or a speaker of said dialect, or someone's name. <laughs> Someone's got to be named Jordy. Wait, Jordy LaForge. Yes. Oh, it all comes back to Star Trek. He was to- total Jordy, that guy. Did he spell it with a G? Total Jordy, that guy. He did spell it with a G. Ah, uh, see? I say Holmes. Where should we head? The theater? Rules of a concert, perhaps. Show me. Mm-hmm. That guy. That guy. Yeah. Blind. <laughs> It's authentic. Authentic. He's got a hard scroll <gasps> oh backstory. Oh my god, he's got a hard scroll backstory. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. 
MI6, I'm, don't kill me. I'm not onto you. I'm not onto you. Uh, what do we have coming up in the next episode? We are going to review uh, the police's first album, Outlandos D'Amour, and it's got some great songs on it. Outlandos so- D'Amour? Outlandos D'Amour. Is that the correct pronunciation? It doesn't matter. <laughs> 1978 with phenomenal songs. Great songs. Such as Roxanne. Which in the video, um, Sting has his first uh, sunburn he's ever had. And he, yeah. What? Yeah. In the video. He's red in the video because he went to California and they shot the video and it was the first time he saw sun? a puff, saw <laughs> the the palm tree and the first time he saw the sun. <laughs> and it was a big deal for him. So Lonely is on this. I hate that, so- oh, that, al- I that song. Oh, I love that song. Um, Can't Stand Losing You. I like that song That's quite a, a lot. Song. Yeah, I'm excited mm-hmm. to see where the story of the police truly begins. But I've enjoyed our tour of the Sting Vanalia. And we got to keep three things in mind. Dads, ships, and what was the third one? I can't remember. Killing a man and stretching his skin over your face. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, MI6. <laughs> Uh, no, dads, ships. Dad, ships. Milk? Milk? No. Well, it's like the three things, like... Jazz! 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 It. Oh, can we just call this dad, ships, and jazz? Sure. <laughs> okay. We're Subtitle. Changing, we're changing the name of our podcast to Jazz, Ships, and Jazz. Every single one of these episodes will be concluding with a little segment that we like to call Sting's Words of Wisdom. Sting's Words of Wisdom. What words of wisdom do we have from... The Sting canon or pre-canon. Pre-canon. He is so wise. Um, but his words of wisdom don't really change. Because, again, it's my theory that um, he came out fully formed. And he just keeps um, just... Metal lighting. bikini. Little metal bikini. And he comes out of a spaceship and is um, golden. Lovely fate. All right. So today's words of wisdom are from Sting's Newcastle band, Last Exit. Um, it's taken from their 1974 song... I'm in this train. Train is spelled T-R-A-N-E, which confused me because Sting is a um, a teacher and an educated guy. I'm like, why would he purposely misspell train? So I Googled it, and apparently it is the jazz nickname of John Coltrane. Oh, for God's sake. For fuck's sake, man. Come on. But, I mean, that is pretty Sting. Uh, you, you'll, you know, dad ships and jazz. Come with me and I'll take you where things might be okay or bad. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter with Sting. It doesn't matter. You're just along for the ride. Just along for the long ride. Along for the ride. You're as long as he's got train. that hot body, you're always on that train. You're on this train, baby. This has been Outlandish the Podcast. I'm Adam Ragusia. And I'm Meg Donahue. We need a tagline. I know, right? We need a hashtag. Mm. We didn't think this through. That's, that's okay. Um, we hate to say goodbye. <laughs> what should a hashtag be? <clears throat> oh! What? Jazz dads and Jazz dads chips? Jazz dad chips. <laughs> now tell me if you think that's a little too much. <laughs> it's fine. I think it's good. Talk to us about Sting if you want to. Uh, I'm on Twitter at A Ragusea, A R A G U S E A. Meg? I'm on Twitter at Donahue Meg, D O N A H U E M E G. And if you want to talk to us about Sting, use the following hashtag Jazz, Jazz Dad's Ships. Hashtag Dad's Dad's 
Technology. If you want to get us on Twitter, you can always use us at hashtag hashtag jazz dads ships. The three things in life that make you an artist. And the three things that drive Sting on to more and more worse collaborations. Shaggy. Wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs>